many years ago, there was a song out called, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Some of our more mature individuals will know those words. And I think in the, in the middle of that, uh, that song, I think it said something like that, you know, along with the sunshine, there's got to be a little pain sometimes. I never promised you a rose garden. Unfortunately, I think many people in the world today think that Christianity should void them of the thorns of life. Christianity ought to always be easy. There should be no trials, there should be no tribulations, no temptations when you come to follow Christ. They think that being a Christian frees them up from worries and frees them up from conflicts. Uh, however, the Bible never says that. It never says anywhere that when you come to follow Christ, that all of a sudden everything's going to be easy for you. As a matter of fact, what you will discover is that when you follow Christ, you will be in opposition to the world. Because the world's values and God's values are not the same. And so when you choose to follow Christ, you will automatically be in conflict with the world. And when you decide that you're going to be in conflict with the world and you're going to follow God, you're going to follow Christ, it requires a great deal of faith. Because you are living in opposition to the world. And because you live in opposition to the world, you are guaranteed uh, a life of conflict and a life of struggle. Being a Christian is no rose garden. Uh, matter of fact, it might be a bed of thorns instead of a bed of roses. It's not that way. And I think Moses discovered this truth in his own life. Moses chose to, to accept what God had to offer. And when he accepted what God had to offer, he rejected what the world offered. He chose to live a life of faith. And when he chose to live a life of faith, he rejected everything that the world had to offer him. Today we continue in our, our series on Hebrews chapter 11, Faith to Move Mountains. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. We'll look at these words under the heading, living a life of faith. You follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read this passage for you this morning. It begins in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Three truths as we glean from this little passage of Scripture. First is living a life of faith means rejecting the status the world offers. You're familiar with the story of Moses Moses was a young Hebrew child, and he was saved from the, 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 the persecution from the, from the Egyptians. He was saved from them when his mother put him in a basket and sent him floating on the Nile River. And as God would have it in his providence, the, da the daughter of Pharaoh discovered the little Hebrew baby and had mercy, had pity upon the Hebrew child and, and raised the child as her own, raised in the court of Pharaoh. He enjoyed all the privileges. He enjoyed all the power, all the prestige of being a, a son of the Pharaoh, the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. Matter of fact, rumors are, uh, the Bible uh, uh, people tell us that there could have been a chance 
that Moses even could have rose to be Pharaoh in Egypt. But regardless whether he would have been Pharaoh in Egypt, he would have had a lot of power, a lot of prestige. He would have had a lot of prominence by being a prince in Egypt. This is what he had going for him. But verse 24 says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses chose to reject the status of Egypt and instead accept the status that God offered him. He chose to accept the status that God offered, and he made a definite decision. When you look at this, this phrase, it says, by faith, Moses, when he grown, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had to make a definite decision. Moses had to look at what the, what the world had to offer. He had to look at what God had to offer, and he had to throw away everything he had in the palace or go live with the slaves. He either had to forget God's call on his life, or he had to grab it with all the gusto. He had to seize it. Those were the choices that, that Moses had. Now, what kind of status did Moses accept? Look at verse 25. It says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Moses chose to be mistreated. He chose to live the life of a slave. He went from leading the people to being led. He meant from giving orders to obeying. He went from the palace to the pit. He went from the marble to the mud. He went from the silk to the silt. Moses made a choice to suffer. He went from being a prince of Egypt to being a slave in Egypt, which really, which really meant he had no status whatsoever. He had nothing. Why would he do that? Why would an individual make such a choice to reject what Egypt, to reject what the world had to offer, and choose instead to follow God? The Bible says he did it by faith. He did it by faith. It was by faith that Moses made the critical decision which was to determine the whole direction of his life from that time forward. Everything he did was put in place when he made that decision. He chose to obey God and reject the world. It's no different today. God's call upon our lives is the same as it was when he called Moses all those years ago. Listen, you cannot follow God and continue to live the old way of life. You can't do it. Uh, you, you can't choose to be identified with the world and also be identified with Christ, to be identified with God. When we choose to follow God, you cannot follow the world. You can't do it. Listen to how the Apostle John describes it in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. He says it this way. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. New Testament, Old Testament, teaching the exact same thing. You can't choose to follow God and also choose the way of the world. Now, before you get the wrong impression that, that you can't have status, uh, let me remind you that's not exactly what the, the Word of God says. We think of the man by the name of Joseph. Joseph rose from a slave to a prince. He became second in command in all of Egypt. 
So status is not wrong. Joseph was serving God with the status that God had arranged for Joseph. Moses could not serve God as a prince. He had to become a slave. He had to follow the status, the choice that God had for Moses, not the status that God had for Joseph. You have to be obedient to God wherever your status is in life. Moses accepted whatever status God had for him, just as Joseph accepted that status. But what happens is when you come to follow Christ, when you come to be a, a true Christ follower, God teaches you contentment. Paul says, I have learned how to be content. It's something you learn as you grow in faith, as you grow in obedience to God. You learn to be content with whatever status God has for you. We learn that we receive our status in life not based on the world's opinion, but based upon God's opinion. Jesus said it this way. He said, those who are last shall be first, and those who are first shall be last. He also said that those of us that are followers of Jesus, we come not to be served, but to serve, just as Jesus came. The Bible says that Jesus came not to, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to give your life as a ransom? Stop and think about that. Are you willing to give your life for a ransom for those who do not know Jesus yet? Are you? Because until you're willing to do that, guess what? You're really not walking by faith. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus left the kingdom. He left all of glory to come and, and live a life of a human, of a servant, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. He took up on the form of a servant. And he willingly gave his life. Why? So that we might have life. So what... What are we willing to give up so that others might come and know Jesus Christ? We can't be served. We have to serve and give our life as a ransom for others. Jesus said, those who choose to lead must learn to follow. The status the world offers is not the status that God offers. When you choose to follow God, you are rejecting the status of the world. Second truth in this passage, living a life of faith means rejecting the pleasures of sin. Look at verse 25. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You see that phrase, pleasures of sin, it's not talking about a particular sin. It's talking about a way of life. He chose to disregard a way of life. Moses could have had anything his heart desired. He could have had women on the side. He could have other gods that would permit him to do things he wanted to do. He could have had treasures beyond our wildest dreams. He could have cheated people out of what was theirs, and he could have done it all because nobody's going to contest a prince of Egypt. Nobody would challenge him. He could do whatever he wanted at that time. He could have done it in freedom. Make no mistake, folks, sin is attractive. If it wasn't attractive, we wouldn't be tempted by it. Sin is attractive. It has lured people for centuries. And it will continue to lure people. We are never free from the gravitational pull of sin toward us, for us. We're never free. 
We are always tempted. But when we choose to follow the pleasures of sin, it's always at the expense of the will of God. Every time we do that. We cannot follow God and continue to follow sin. The Apostle John says in 1 John, and I, and I struggle with this passage, but he says, those who continue in a lifestyle of sin are not children of God. Now, folks, that's his word, not my word. Those who continue in a lifestyle of sin are not children of God. That those who habitually live in a life of sin. It's one of the strongest enticements in the world is sin. It lures us all the time. It was the same in Moses' day, but he rejected it. He rejected the pleasures of sin. He chose to live by a different standard. He chose to live by different values. He chose a different lifestyle. He, he, had a, he chose to live his life based on a set of values that puts God's will and God's people before his own enjoyment and before his own safety. Listen, the Bible does not deny that sin is pleasurable. The writer of Hebrews says right there, sin is pleasurable. But notice what he says, it's only momentary. It doesn't last forever it's only temporary. It has no lasting effect. There's a part of my life, <laughs> as I read over my sermon this morning, I got this part of the sermon, I wept. There's a part of my life I'm not proud of. But I think it will illustrate the lure of sin. When I was in the Navy, I dated a young lady who worked nights. I worked days, she worked nights. In order to see her when she got off work at 12, 1 o'clock at night, I began taking uppers. Black mollies and yellow jackets to keep me awake. Keep me awake. And I've been doing it because I could, I could spend time with her. And then I, I would take those and stay up all night. Then I'd work all night, work all day. I'd take more to keep me awake all night. And before long, what I was originally taking, one or two pills, was not enough to satisfy me. I had to take two or three or four or five to keep, keep the energy going. And what I discovered is that I no longer had control over this, but it had control of me. You see, that's the way sin is in your life. You're never satisfied with it. You always need more and more and more sin to satisfy you. Just like drugs. You have to do that. Sin's no different. What happens is when we find ourselves giving into sin, sin becomes our master. And we become a slave to sin. And for this reason, the pleasures of sin need to be rejected Instead, we've got to accept God's control in our life. We've got to submit to God. We've got to accept His dominion. The pleasures of sin are, are temporary. But the pleasure that God wants to give us, listen to this, it's permanent. God wants to give you pleasure forever. For all eternity, He wants to give you pleasure. If you choose to follow the will of God, you're going to enjoy pleasures for eternity. Living a life of faith means rejecting the pleasures of sin. Not only that, living a life of faith means rejecting the wealth the world has to offer. Look at verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Let's look at this passage a little bit closer. 
You see that phrase in there that says, he regarded disgrace for sake of Christ. When you see that word regarded disgrace, what it means in the original languages is that he carefully thought through his decision. He carefully evaluated it. He did not make a rash decision. He put a great amount of thought into what he was doing. He looked at what the world offered him. He looked at the wealth of the world. And then he looked at what God offered him. And he chose, he chose to follow the way of God and not the way of the wealth. He chose to accept what God had to offer him instead of what the world had to offer him in wealth. He says, why did he do it? It says he did it for the sake of Christ. Now, I know what your question is. How could Moses, living back in those times, do something for the sake of Christ? Generally speaking, I know there's lots of nuances about this passage, but generally speaking, the way we understand all those things is that the saints in the Old Testament look forward to Christ. They looked forward to a time when God would send a Messiah, when God would send a deliverer who would come and deliver them from the wrath, deliver them from sin, and set them as children of God. They look for somebody to make them right with their Creator and somebody to make them right with the Lord. So they look forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. So Moses looked at the promise. He looked at the promise and goes, I think it's better to live for that than to live for what the world is offering me in wealth. He looked forward to Christ. He looked forward to the Messiah. He looked forward to Jesus. By faith, he looked forward. So after Moses carefully thought it out, after he weighed it, and he, he, he made that decision, he chose to reject the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking for something better in the future. The wealth of Egypt is well known. King Tut's tomb alone, the, the boy Pharaoh, his tomb alone had 2, 000, over 2,000 pounds of precious gold. It's well known that were the wealthiest nation in the world at the time. They could have had anything they wanted that wealth could buy. But Moses rejected that and instead wanted to be identified as a slave. He chose to live without wealth. And he chose to accept what God had to offer him. He relinquished his position. He relinquished his wealth. And in faith, he took up the challenge, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to go where God wants me to go. And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. He cast aside his earthly security. And he accepted heavenly security, even though he did not know what it's like. Years ago, we used to sing a song, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. Moses says, I choose to abandon it all for the sake of God's call upon my life. Jesus' call upon us is the same. Listen, and I think this is something where we miss it as Baptists. We miss it as, 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 as Christians. We miss really what Jesus is asking us to do. Jesus says, when you decide to follow me, you better count the cost. You better make sure that you're willing to pay the price to follow me. You better make sure that you're willing to meet the demands of the gospel. Listen to what he said in Luke chapter 9, 23 through 26. Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. 
and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very soul, his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the Holy Angels. Jesus' words, not my words. Jesus says, before you come to him, before you choose to follow him, you better be prepared to meet the demands. Because it's going to require forsaking everything the world has and accepting all that God has to offer you. Moses made that decision years ago. In every way possible, the Lord Jesus Christ is calling his followers today to regard disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater than anything the world has to offer in every way possible. I'm not suggesting you can't have wealth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you cannot let a lifestyle keep you from doing what God would have you to do. God's call is more important on your life than anything that wealth may have upon you. If you place your riches before your service of the Lord, hear me on this, you are living a life of sin. You hear me on that. If you are putting your, your riches and your wealth before you are service of the Lord, you are living a life of sin. You're disobedience to God. I know that kind of cramps your style. It's just biblical truth. You cannot choose to follow God in money. You can't choose it. You've got to relinquish the control it has on your life. Moses realized this truth in his own life. But what did he do? He looked forward to a greater reward. He looked forward to a city that was not built by human hands, just as Abraham did. He looked forward to, to the riches of glory. As a child of the king, he looked forward to that. Moses chose the imperishable. He saw the invisible, and he did the impossible. I love that. He chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and he did the impossible. But he did it all by faith. It was by faith that he accomplished all those things. And when we trust God, we get what God can do. When we trust in ourselves, we get what weak, sinful men can do. But when we trust God, we get to see what God can do. And only then will we experience what God can do. As long as we are living in what we can do, living in what we can see, living in what we can think, we will never experience what God can do and what God can see. Never. We'll be, we'll be frozen in the past, never moving forward in victory. But when we let go and we let God, whoo, man, whoo. Then we get to see what God can do, just as Moses did in his own life. You ever thought about it? With one man, with one man, God set an entire nation free. It took him a long time. Matter of fact, he didn't really get, get serious about it until he's 80. Anybody here 80? Don't raise your hand. Because then, then, then people say, I didn't know that. You ever thought that at 80, God might just be getting started with your life? You ever thought about that? That scares some of you, doesn't you? I thought I was going to get to retire. 
I say, hey, when you get to heaven, you can retire, okay? Like I always say, retire just means get tired again. That's all it means. God has an incredible plan for his people if they would choose to follow him. Moses is proof that true biblical faith means obeying God in spite of circumstances and in spite of consequences. When you choose to follow God, you're rejecting what the world has and you're accepting what God has. It's not easy. It's not. But it's required. To the world, it looks like stupidity. To my son-in-law, it looks like stupidity. It does. And you know, there comes a time when we have to confront people with their own Egypt. Look at verse 27. I love this verse. Just that phrase. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, he left Egypt. Moses, by faith, chose to leave it behind him and accept what God had to offer him. We need to trust God with all our hearts, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our spirit. We need to trust him. See, that's what it means to live a life of faith. It means leaving behind what the world has and accepting what God has. It means telling God that we do not know what is going to happen and we do not know how it's going to happen, but God, we completely trust you. We, can, we trust you, God. We trust you. Can you say that today in your life? Are you living in Egypt today? Is there something that's holding you a slave? Is there something that God is saying, are you willing to leave it behind and move forward in faith? Are you willing to leave it behind and live a life of faith? Some of you need to leave your Egypts today. I don't know what it is. Your Egypt may be different than my Egypt. But God may be asking you to leave it behind you. For some of you, it might get, be getting to a point in your life when you recognize that the way of the world is not the way that God would have for you. And what you need to do, you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. And you're choosing to live, to the, live the life of pleasures of sin for a momentary time and rejecting what God has to offer you. And what you needed to come to the point that I recognize that I need a Savior. And perhaps you're at this point in your life today where you need to understand <coughs> that Jesus Christ made a way for you to find forgiveness for your sins. And if you're turned from the world and you're turned to Christ, you'll find out that God has a special plan, a special purpose for your life. I believe it's the same way for the church as a whole. I believe when we turn from the world and we as a church turn corporately to what God would have us to do, God has a special plan for this church. For others of you, you're a follower of Jesus. Or at least you know Jesus in an intimate way. Let me put it that way. You know him as your personal Lord. You know him as your personal Savior. You know that if you were to die today, that you'd go to heaven. And praise God for that. You know that. I imagine probably 90, 99, 95, 95, 99% of you are probably in that category. But maybe for the first time, you need to acknowledge that you're just going through the motions. 
Really, it's just something you do, but it really does not impact your life. For some of you say, you know, I know Jesus is a Savior, but I really need to get this lordship thing nailed down. Because I recognize that if I'm truly going to live as God would have me live, there's some things i got to change. There's some things I have to make different in my own life so that I can truly live a life of faith. What's God's call upon your life? In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. A time when you get to respond to what you've heard this morning. For some of you, that might mean to make Jesus Lord of your life. To reject the world and accept Christ. For others of you, it might mean that you need to finally choose to get serious about your Christian faith. I don't care what your age is. Moses didn't get serious about it. He was 80. 80. Caleb was 84. When he said, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. Give me that mountain. Oh, wouldn't you like to be Caleb today? Wouldn't you like to? That's another sermon, Brother, Brother Eugene. Oh, wouldn't you like to be able to take that mountain? Faith to move mountains. And I believe with God on our side, who can be against us? With God on our side, we can face any mountain, any obstacle that faces us as individuals, but more importantly, us as a church. And I believe we can conquer it. But it's going to take all of us working together as the body of Christ to do what no one of us could do alone. What decisions God have for you to make this morning? I'm going to invite you to stand as Kip and Cassie and Marilyn come to play. We'll have Marcy's going to come down. Josh's going to make his way down here. We'll be here to stand in case you want to talk to one of us. You need somebody to pray with you, somebody to offer some counsel. We'll be here for you.